This is Ideal Futures, a show for creative dreamers with your hosts, Gina and Sarah. She's ready. Check, check. Are you it's ready? working. Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready, Sarah Gattestina? I was born ready. I you know? feel like you probably were. Uh, so happy Gay Pride Month. It's June. Already? Already? Are you ready? No. I know. I love how... As time goes on, when we were like young queer dykes, with queer star- dykes, queer dykes, queer dykes, mm-hmm. with stars in our eyes, mm-hmm. how Pride used to be like this exciting month where you'd like write in your calendar what clubs you had to go to mm-hmm. and what events you wanted to see and what outfits you were gonna wear. Oh yeah! And now that I'm like, just gonna say it, looking at forty, I'm like, hmm, what daytime events are yeah. there? <laughs> Are my friends going to be able to drive mm-hmm. me there? Can I wear flats? Do people still go to Pride? That's Do I have my to question. shave my legs? Speaking of wearing flats, I definitely did the New York City Dyke March in four-inch stilettos in, I want to say, like 2004, and it rained. This is like one of my all-time favorite That's Pride like memories. Nightmare. So I'm like walking through floods of rain in the New York City streets, and it rained, and everyone took their shirts off. Don't worry, we still kept... No, we didn't. Some people took everything off. I am a prude former Catholic girl, so I kept my other things on. Um, but it was a legendary, like, I think we all will probably remember that for the rest oh, of our lives. And you know, there's like story. drumming, drum circle dykes like playing and everyone's kicking up rain and all that stuff. And, and also like, you know, bras off to you for marching in four inch stilettos in the rain and not falling and breaking your ankle. That's, I mean, I kind of feel like that was a special time in my life because me now would be like, yeah, yeah, right. My like orthopedic no, shoes that still look slightly fashionable, great. I'm into it. Now that we're strolling down Pride memory lane. Mm-hmm. What's yours? I, What's your let, let's just take a little stroll. Mm-hmm. My favorite, actually, some of my uh, favorite Pride memories are finagling every year what dike on the back of a bike I got to be on. Ugh, jealous. And... That happened, like I lived for many years um, in my younger years in Portland, Oregon. So it was kind of easier for me to find just a dike on a bike to hop on. And they built that bike themselves. Like, you know, they put that bike together in their garage or their driveway. It was salvaged, it was Mm -hmm. recycled, it it ran on vegetable oil. Oh, God, of course it did. And it was so fun. It was some of my funnest, my funnest memories. I mean, I have so many fun pride memories as a youth. Um, but yeah, being on the back of a dike on a bike, it was just the funnest. Confession, uh, I've never actually been on the back of a motorcycle because motorcycles are terrifying and I don't like fear. We were going like two miles an hour, yeah, so yeah, my yeah. also like neurotic, <laughs> like, you know, my mom's head, my voice like, they're called donor mobiles. Mm, uh, so God, anyway, ouch. all that to say is happy Pride, everybody. Yeah. We'll probably take another trip down Pride Lane in our next intro because we're queer and we love Pride and we love being queer. Um, but however, our guest on this edition is not queer, but she is a genius. And she, kind of an awesome ally slash badass babe who like is honorary queer. She yeah. is the best. Um, So we have the wonderful, incredible, inspiring, and most importantly, hilarious with much star power, mm-hmm. Tashi Lee Condoli, who is a comedian, a performer, an actor. She's also an organizer of one of my favorite 
actually my only favorite comedy night in Los Angeles <laughs> called Blackberry Jam. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. It's an all diverse lineup. It's for, so again, backing up. I know you want this to be a short intro. No, I'm going to make it real fast. It's fine. It's great. Just take a couple breaths. So I admittedly am not a fan of comedy. Um, that is not to say I don't like to laugh. I just don't like going into a comedy club and having the jokes be offensive or mm-hmm. cruel, misogynist, racist, mm-hmm. transphobic, uh, homophobic, on and on and on, right? Yeah. So I kind of like was like, you know what? I don't even really know if I could step into a comedy night um, you know, uh, and enjoy it. However, mm-hmm. I will say for all of you listeners out there in radio podcast land, Tashi has created with Blackberry Jam and her co-host Ellington Wells. Mm-hmm. They've created a phenomenal night where you just get to laugh. You don't feel like there's going to be a transphobic mm-hmm. or a you know homophobic. Well, and it's all POC performers, right? It's all all the stand-ups. It's um, a mix of either it's basically just got to say it everyone but straight white guys oh. except ex- <laughs> except we get in trouble when we say things like that sorry for the one straight white guy listening who's like my friend who's or something. cool and he's, down, he's yeah. chill he knows, he well and that's the other thing there are sometimes once in a while straight white guys but they're like hella cool yeah they've been briefed they know, they know what's up yeah. They know about me too. You know, they know what words not to say. They know why that's offensive and harmful and hurtful. So anyway, Blackberry Jam is a is a rare gem. Tashi's been doing it for quite a while. Tashi in of herself is just a brilliant performer, an incredible electric comedian, an amazing MC, a brilliant, brilliant person who basically needs to get her own talk show. Oh yeah, TV show, comedy anything, special, uh, sitcom. Anything. Her vintage fashion is also off the chain, and I know I'm the jerk who's always talking about how well dressed our guests are, but like it's a thing. She looks amazing. She smells amazing. She performs amazing. She's an incredible person. We are so excited to bring you Tashi Lee Condoli. Let's do it. Incredibly, incredibly lucky to have the one, the only Tashi Kondali. Am I saying your name right? That is correct. Um, on our podcast today, I have wanted to have Tashi on since forever because when I first met Tashi, I was blown away. Forgive me for saying this, by your beauty, by your charm, and then I found out you are actually an incredibly talented comedian. Thank you, thank you. Um, so I, I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna talk. For you, so maybe you can just talk a little bit about who you are and what you do and why you do it. I'm Tashi. I'm ageless. I <laughs> do comedy because, well, I figured, I think I do, I know I started, I do comedy because I like making people laugh. And I also do comedy because I sincerely think it's written in the stars that I do it. My horoscope or my chart actually says that I can do anything I want to put Anything inter- entertainment-wise. So I do mm-hmm. sing as well and do a little rapping and stuff like that. But that's who I am. I do comedy and I do it because I love it and I love making people laugh and I have to do it. It's something for I do for myself too. Well, I would like to talk about all of that kind of in a larger picture. 
when, like, were, was it since you were, like, 12? Like, when was it did you know that you shined on stage? Because you do have this, like, ability that not everyone has to go on a stage and light it up. You you almost get energy from being on a stage. I do. I realized that I was funny in the first grade <laughs> when I made a poop joke because everyone was making fun of me because I was black. But then I made a poop joke and then everyone started laughing. Wait, were you comparing yourself to, to poop? Yes. I was like, Brown, like, poop. Poop is hilarious, right, guys? And everyone laughed, and I was like, oh, if they're laughing with you, then they're not laughing at you. And Mm -hmm. I picked that up at, like, what? Is that, like, six or seven? Precocious. Yeah, I was like, so the part is, like, game on. And this was in L.A.? Because you're from L.A., right? I'm from Torrance. This was in Torrance. This is when I was, like, I moved. I moved to Torrance in kindergarten. Before that, I was surrounded by all black people, and then I was surrounded by all white people. And I didn't, I was like, what's the big deal? But then they were like, it's a big deal. And I was like, oh, I guess I have to make you uptight whites laugh now. So, well, it's hard, right? Yeah. (laughs) They're like, you're black. That's weird. Your mom left you in the oven too long. You're burnt toast. They went nuts. And then once. Are you kidding me? No, but once um, one of the kids dropped an in-bomb on my sister, and back in the day, ropes Your used to be real ropes. Your beautiful sister was a gorgeous baby. No, my other older sister, oh, okay. but she's gorgeous too. Okay, and they they're dropped, all gorgeous. They're all gorgeous, but she, someone dropped an in-bomb on her on the playground, so she took a rope and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> and my mom got called to school, and she was like, well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, what, what were you guys going to do? What yeah. were you guys going to yeah. do? <laughs> So Damn. that wow. happened. Wow. That so, so growing up in Torrance was, it was fine once everyone got used to me because then it was just Tashi, but then it got hard when I got to high school and all the kids from Gardena, the black kids got bust in and they were like, why is Tashi so weird? She listens to Nirvana and her hair is blue. Like you're the weirdest black person we ever met. And I was like, what's the problem? <laughs> I just didn't get it. I was like, we're all different. But isn't Torrance... Forgive me. Isn't Torrance like just outside of LA? It's just it's outside. Like a it's twenty world. minutes out. Yeah, ten minutes you go. Yeah, it's, it's like a yeah. whole different. But our population of our city is predominantly Asian, so I feel like very, very, a kinship with Asian, all Asian people. Like Samoans. My best friends growing up were Guamanian and Hawaiian and white. So like. It takes a village. I've had all sorts. Our multicultural day was out of out of control. I know. It came, I knew Good it came food. to you. Delicious food, right away. So then you moved to LA. Yes, I'm assuming in your late twenties, early twenties. In my twenties, I moved to Los Angeles. I lived alone in Torrance and had a depressed spell for a while, and then I lived and worked odd jobs, and then mm-hmm. I got like a really high paying job. Mm-hmm. And then I could finally afford to go to Second City. Okay. So what I did was I went to Canada on vacation and did a, like a, a quick class over a week. And then I came back from Canada and finished this whole Second City program for years and did musical improv as well. So like comedy in your in you or your relation with comedy, was it always like a little seed inside of you? Would you like you know, make jokes to yourself with your dolls or like, you know, like, cause you were living your life, but like you always knew you were. I was hilarious. going to be a comedian and many people have this guy, this comedian, Chris Garcia pushed me to do comedy. My other friend 
Lauren, I figured her last name, put me on my first comedy show, uh-huh. and other people were like, you've got to do comedy, but... So you had a lot of support. I had a lot of support, but it took me a long time to get on stage and do it consistently and not stop, because it's such a hard game to play. What was it that made you, like, commit, finally, like, to do... Because I, I know you personally a little bit, and it seems like every week you're going to an open mic, you're, you know, you're you're active, you know, you're actively doing it. Is that because the nature of comedy requires the comedian to actively do it, or is it because you, you feel like you're making up for lost time, or what do you think that... I just, I guess I'm making, not making up for lost time, but it's like, I'm doing it, I'm funny, I have momentum... So why stop now? And before, you know, you don't build momentum. And mm-hmm. every a lot of comedians tell stories about how they do it for, like, a f- six months. And uh-huh. then they take a three-month break. And then they're back six months. And then take this month off or whatever. But I did that, too. But I just started doing it consistently once people started booking me on shows. And I realized that I was funny. And it's that thing where you're talking and the audience is laughing and you don't know... You know you're funny, and you know you've written these jokes, but you're still kind of in awe at the fact that it's happening. You're like, oh, this really? Is my right? life? Like they're yeah. still they're still laughing. You guys are still laughing at this. You're like, okay. <laughs> and same with like, I knock on wood. I'm not really a bomber so much. Like, I don't really mm-hmm. bomb, but no like, crickets. You've never yeah. had like that horrible night where just like it's darkness and it's just, you can't see anyone smiling in the crowd. Not really, but I mean, I've said stuff to the audience that they don't like particularly, Mm. like that hurts their feelings or I say something about myself that they don't like or self-deprecating comedy isn't always the best and, Mm. or I've, yeah, I've just said like, I've had your moments. I've had my moments. What do you say to them? Yeah, what were were you going to say? You were like, I remember one time. Well, I just told them they were just, they're just nice. They're just nice. So I, I told them I got called and I used, instead of saying the N word, I said niglet to sound cuter. And I wrote it at home and they just thought it was like not cute. And I was like, okay. Cause they were like so nice. They were like, should we not be laughing? You can't say that word. Yeah. You can't say that word. But I was like, it's okay. They called me like, I'm like, when I say I got called all these names, it's like, that's not. A lot of people's problem in life, and I will say this, if they, they identify as victims, you can be victimized, but you do not have to be a victim. So I was, mm-hmm. I've been victimized in my past, mm-hmm. but I am not burnt toast. I am mm-hmm. not. Yeah. I know that that's not who I am. So mm-hmm. if you're listening out there, you're not what other people call you, who you think you is, okay? Okay, but like just to tangent off that, how old were you when that sunk in? What, that... Like, for me, it sunk in, like, I don't know, I'm 35, it sunk in, like, five years ago? Yeah, like, not that long Like, ago. I was, like, 30, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, like, I don't need to care that this person hates me, because I actually don't really care about them. Yeah. Like, don't it you It took think, a while. I don't mean it's, like, a trick, but it wasn't, like, an age, like, learning. The older you get, the more you realize, like... It's like the old person farting in the middle of the supermarket. You're, you're like, like oh, you're, you, they don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I'm old and I'm farting in the supermarket. What are you going to do? I'm leaving. I'm never going to see you again. Mazel tov. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, too, like, again, now I'm just tangenting off what you're saying. And as it's occurring to me, do you consciously work in or write in bits in your comedy that make people feel a little uncomfortable? Or no? I don't purposely ever do anything to, like... 
I think trying to antagonize people uh-huh. is very immature. Uh-huh. Like, I like, I've heard like my lifter. I'd be like, I love p- offending people. Oh yeah, that's I love worst. pissing people yeah. off. It's like, oh, uh, what are you five? Like I like used trolls, to, like, trolls on the internet. Yeah, the whole thing they get off on, right? And I used to be like that when I was a teenager. Like I'm shocking. Well, the older you get, you're like, okay, well, I'm not twelve or thirteen or fifteen. I, you, I be grown. Well, because the reason I'm asking this is one thing I've noticed, like I've seen you maybe like three or four times in different um, arenas. One thing that I really like that you do, and I know this is like a comedic trope, even though I don't know that much about comedy, but you do, you'll have your personal, like your personal thing, but then you'll like zoom out to like, hey people, no one cares. Or like, hey, guess what? You know, and I'm wondering like if you consciously do that or if it's just, you're just talking, you're just coming up with stuff. Because I like how you're like, my mother told me about this, or y'all, oh, you know what I mean? Some of it is... Like, passed on, is it some is of it, name Shirley? Is that Shirley, it? yeah. Some of it is... Best name written. ever. My nana's name is Shirley. Oh. And Shirley's are right. The uh, my sister's husband's uh, grandma and mom are named Shirley, too. It's like a big Shirley gang. Um, <laughs> wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about, like, do you consciously weave in, kind of like, you should do this. Like, like a couple times I've seen you, you've been like, white Oh, people. no, no, no. As soon as I get on stage, some of it is... Some of it is just routine, and I've done the routine, mm-hmm. and I know it. But a lot of when I walk on stage, like if anyone ever listens to um, Abraham, Abraham talks about the law of attraction. Abraham, you mean not the yeah, Bible? The law of attraction. <laughs> I was Abraham like, Who is Abraham. <laughs> uh, they talk. He she talks about when you get on stage and you're living in spirit and you're living in the moment and you get out there and like whatever divine force works throughout you works comes through comes through Mm -hmm. so when I get on stage sometimes I'll go on a five minute tangent that I was not planning on that just like comes in that just comes through me and I don't question it I don't think about it I don't a lot of people overthink life and you just uh-huh. kind of just, I just let it happen. Uh-huh. Or I maybe I'll write down like a tiny thing that another comedian said. Like mm-hmm. this white guy from Canada was like, oh, like the 99 cent store. Da, 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 da. I was like, first I of all, that. I love the 99 cent Second of all, so many people depend on it for so many things. So get your rich, weird ass out of here we want to be socialist too but we're not so for yeah. now i'm gonna call you <laughs> i'm gonna call you a socialist and tell you okay well, he has health care so he doesn't need the 99 i know he doesn't yeah. need the 99 to buy his syringes and band-aids <laughs> and uh, yes seriously <laughs> hydrogen peroxide right uh so that comes through that's interesting too how i feel like your intuition well i don't again please just shoot me in the face by sound like such a nerd but isn't it also like reading a room like you kind of like you're intuitive i'm not saying like you know what i mean i'm saying you're i know you're not claiming that you're some psychic but like reading the room is like being intuitive and then you kind of like get sparks of inspiration that do you feel like being on the stage like sparks you up even more like it activates your intuition or oh yeah for sure but i don't really i mean i'm not saying feel the room but i don't I don't ever get on stage and go, well, this is this kind of audience or they're not like this guy came up to me the other day and he was like, oh, the audience was really giving and they were this and they were that and they reacted this way and did this and that. And I was like, we're different comedians because I go out on stage. I got my jokes. If you like them, great. I will. What's the word? I will pander a little bit to what they like and what they don't like. And Mm -hmm. if like 
I say something derogatory that they don't like, I know to stay away from that. So I will do that a little bit, but for the most part, I don't really give, I'm not, it's not that I don't care about the audience, mm-hmm. it's just that I'm not like, I don't like, oh, I wonder what kind of audience it's like. I hear comedians say like, yep, well, I guess this side of the room doesn't like me, or I guess <laughs> I know your limits, and I'm like, there's a million, there's so many different people in this audience, like, I know that something I'm going to say is going to trigger somebody with laughter. Sure, sure, sure. And even if it doesn't, like, even if I did, quote unquote, bomb, I wouldn't quit comedy or be like, I'm the worst or anything like that. I right. Mean, but I also know, you know inside of yourself that you're hilarious. Like, you have that knowing. I know that I'm funny, but I don't, I was telling my friend the other day, today, my friend who's a comedian came over, and we were talking about how when you're just deadpan and... Everyone else around you is laughing, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What's so funny?" And you're like, "Oh, me? Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, I guess so." But it's never like I'm never like I I never I never think to myself I'm funny. I never ever think like, "Oh my god, I'm so hilarious." Well, I will have a funny thought in my house and laugh. But yeah, I'm never like you fucking funny ass, <laughs> killing it. <laughs> you're a mind. <laughs> Not like that. Like, you belong to me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ken, is okay if I ask you then a couple of process questions? Yeah. So you, like, and this is something that I've always been curious about comedians. As I'm someone who works inside of a container. Like, I'm like, this is, now I'm going to make a yeah. poster now. Or with my book, I kind of have to be always on because information is always coming through me through my guides or through whatever. So I have my little book or I write notes. Yeah. Is it like, it must, is it draining to be, because I'm assuming no, your regular my day. Comedy book. Okay. Well, my comedy book, I have several comedy books. I bring note cards uh-huh. on stage. I write stuff. I bring my notebook out with me at night. Will you just be like driving in your car and then get an idea and have to like pull over? No, I'm not that. Do you sit down and argue like, I'm going to think about jokes? Like, I'm just curious about like, how the f- hell do you... Well, maybe somebody will say something mm-hmm. and then it'll trigger one thought. Like, I have a new joke about um, going on dating apps and how hard it is because I don't want to give away the joke in case someone sees me. <laughs> or do. But basically, no, no, I it's do. Like, this is going to air like in June. Are gonna so. like, it's fine. It's just about getting fucked up, which is fucking uh, higher up in the world, in the dating world. So getting a fuck up. It's not going to be funny when I explain it. Jokes are never funny it. when you're... Just just I just said it. <laughs> it's about fucking up, like getting fucked up, but fucking somebody who is a higher class of man. I so see. getting fucked up. So I'm trying to get fucked up right now. Um, yes. Because the guys I've been dating are kind of whatever. Not fucked up? <laughs> they're not. They're, I just can't date they're somebody fucked. who drives like a Tracel or something. Not that I wouldn't, but I just. So like accurates are out of the picture. Actors so, are out of the pictures. So and my 2005 Toyota sign would not make the cut is what you're telling me. <laughs> that would I pulled up in that and I was she like, hey, boo. Yeah. Left is no. left. Wait, which one's good? Which Do you think that they, they no. should have their cars on dating apps? Should they be like an iDrive? A lot of them I do. do. They put it in the picture. They do. And I only know this because of like Amber and other people. It's like they're in the picture. It's like leaning on the hood of the car just so you know. Just you, so you know. Whoa. My only, not my only requirements for dating, but one of my requirements is that you only have one roommate. That's a, that's major. That's, that's, that's major though. That means a lot actually. And, and we're in LA. And you live with one paid person. Yep. Great. You live with two people. 
if it's an awesome place, if it has like a pool and a hot tub, right? And maybe a back house. If it's a back house, right? If someone's living yep. in the back house, off of your we all know that there are exceptions. <laughs> exceptions to the rule. No, you're 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 not making like sweeping. You're know, like case by case, case, case by, by case, 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 case by case, case, street by street. LA. Yeah. Um, so uh, another thing I kind of want to talk about that I think is weird that I have talked to you about um, about being a comedian is. The whole thing about being a comedian is the process is through having to go up in front of a crowd. Like, you're working stuff out in front of other people, which seems to me, like, maybe the most terrifying thing I can think of. Well, I will say this kind of ties into the comedy world because going out and open micing and the comedy scene, like, even though the comedy scene is so terrible, it's so supportive. So you get laughs and you get people come up to you afterwards and tell you what they liked and what they didn't like. And it's very nice and constructive. They don't usually tell you what they didn't like, but they just say like, oh, this could work if you added this or you took this away. And I do that process with my friends. So And are those other people giving you feedback? Are they also comedians? They're also comedians. If they weren't, then you would just let it roll over your head because... When a non-comedian tells you your opinion, you're just like, <laughs> well, I'd love to see you do this. Right. That's oh, why I tell so you how to do medicine? Do I yeah. to practice medicine, sir? You know? Do I slap the dick out of your mouth when you're working? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, so this is actually kind of a good segue. You were just saying about how great the comedy world is, but, like, I want to talk a little bit of... The dark side. I want to talk a little trash on the comedy world. Why? Why is it so sexist and racist? Why? Because um, white male men think that they are the center of the universe, and when they get on stage and open their mouth, that everyone should hush up and listen. I literally have heard a man say, "Shut up!" There's a man on stage right now. <gasps> before Ugh. I call a group God. of these boys who hang out um, in the comedy scene, the Grand Wizards. Um, I've literally heard them say, we're not racist. And then the next breath say, this guy with this shitty Asian accent. I'm like, that's racist, son. And they're white and they're weird and they dress bad and probably smell bad too. They probably smell bad too. One guy wears like a Patagonia sleeveless, fuzzy, uh, zip up fleece. No, it's not even Patagonia. That'd be nice. Like, off brand, off yeah, fleece <laughs> off brand, bright blue. Sometimes he wears orange shirts. Someone is like reverse Google image searching this guy right now. Right, they're like off brand Patagonian <laughs> fleece or something. You guys can message me off and find uh, off the off offline and find out who these dudes are. Because I mean, I am all about love and light, but I would definitely. Want to slash their tires? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is the game? Fuck Mary slash tires. That's mm-hmm. the new. They but. just say, I don't know. I think that people. I know why people are racist. It's because people desperately want in on the black experience. They want to talk about it. They want to be about it. We're bright, shiny rappers, dancers, athletes. We're amazing. So people want to get on stage and talk about black mm. people. Or black people are in the news because something negative is happening. So they want to talk about black people. It's like, it's not your story to tell. It's not your song to sing. You're not black. So don't use the N-word. Don't talk about the N-word. Even had an Asian friend want to talk about the N-word on stage because it is his experience. And I was like, I would never 
talk about Asian Mm -hmm. slurs on stage Mm -hmm. because it's none of my fucking business and it's not my Mm -hmm. song to sing. So even Mm -hmm. having my Asian friend, who's half Asian, half white, there's a white kicking in, uh, who wants to use the N-word on stage. (laughs) There's that. Don't bring the white kicking in with you again. I don't know what your problem is, son. (laughs) But it's just so hurtful when people tell you to your face, look in your eyes, and you say, well, you look in their eyes and you say, when you use these words, they hurt my feelings. And I know that, you know, it's all relative to people and how those words impact them, but I don't know. No black... I always say one of my jokes is, and I don't mind telling this one, like, as a black person, you're just, like, having a great day and someone's like, hey, remember the (laughs) N-word? Let's talk about it. How you doing? Did you have a good day? Remember the N-word? Oh, my God. It's like telling... It's like, like, your accessories are on point. Let's talk about something terrible. Yeah. Here I am just to remind you. Just to remind you. Oh, my God, that shirt, nice and bright, really matches your lipstick. Oh, by the way. Exactly. Like, you're not thinking about it once in a while. Like, let's... And that's relative to anybody... Anywhere, yeah. whenever you have some sort of something going on, yeah. someone's like, I want to bring this up and talk about something that is not necessarily yeah. my business. And it's fine. Yeah. Like, if you're close with them, yeah. then you can have the conversation. But it's like, and comparing race and sexuality or sex is not, never good. But yeah. it is just like coming up to it. Like, go, if you want to go up to a transgender person and ask them questions... You probably shouldn't Never. unless you're their friends. Well, there's also like this thing. It's called Google. That's, That's what I always number say. Number one, just say that. there's this thing called Google. Like sometimes I talk to my partner about messages I get that are a little bit just, and he's like, you should write them back with a link to google.com. Like just be like, well, there's let me Google that for you. Oh, is that? There's a, you can go to let me Google that for you and send people a like. I think it's like a GIF or something that says, let me Google that for you. Yeah, just, it's like, called Google. We have Siri. Like, like we, yeah, we live, again, we're living in, in unless you're driving a trip south, yeah. you can <laughs> access the interwebs and find out things. Um, yeah, so. Um, uh, yeah, I, so I think that a lot of people are racist and homophobic. And uh, the homophobia like, thing is weird to me, but that's because I've been watching a lot of 80s television. And I think it's because the way in 90s and just old TV in general. And I was watching Teen Wolf the other day and he was like, he's like, Styles, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what? Are you fucking fag? And I was like, oh, people have been trained since forever to think that gay is bad and wrong and weird. So I think that's also why you have it. It's just been taught. It's like a scary thing. I also just like wonder what it is about the umbrella of comedy that like, you know, that makes it okay in a different way that, like, of course, like, the media, like, mainstream Hollywood media is, like, the worst. You know what I mean? Like, girlfriends or whatever the, like, major blockbusters are just, or what was the hangover? Like, just, like, the worst, you know? I just wonder, I mean, maybe it's just, again, and I don't know enough, like, maybe it's just the people who are running the business, like, themselves, who are like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but... Well, because that's what, I mean, it's the whole punching up versus punching down argument and it's all about like who's in the club and who's out of the club and so I think it's like that that huge lack of imagination right that comes from like people who just want to make fun of people that are different because it's just like bullying and it's so that's what they got laughs for when they were kids oh exactly and so so it's so easy and that's you're nailing it right there which is that that's the like the the lazy way to write lazy and if that's what all your jokes are then like 
you're, you're drawing from a really old playbook that's kind of actually being rewritten yeah. now. It's oh, it's like dead. when people yeah. are like, it's it's tell over. jokes that like, oh my friend, this happened to my friend. And I'm like, I, I feel, I don't get, I just get upset. I'm like, your life is not actually even interesting enough for me yeah. to be a right. comedian. Like, like totally. The weird, I have to totally. leave half of the weird shit that happens to me out. Like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> I had a drive. Yeah, I had a, a conversation with a Lyft driver who was like, people choose to be gay. And I was like, oh my wow. God, what year is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, well, that's the worst, like being the Lyft driver trap story. It's like you're like, I'm trapped. What do I do? This person is driving me they somewhere. Could kill me. Yeah, do I know. get it? This happens right. to me all the time. I'm like, yeah. do I get into a philosophical conversation, or do I speak the truth, mm-hmm. or do I? It just- was hard because yeah. I was like, I understand what you're saying. I was like, yes, women are more sexually fluid. He didn't even say he didn't use big words like that. But I was like, women are more sexually fluid than than men a lot of the time so yeah you're gonna see because he was a ninth grade teacher so he had a student that was dating a girl and had been dating boys the week before mm. and it just really confused him and he was a black man I'm very upset obs- I'm, I'm kind of obsessed as a comedian and a person in the world with black culture and its relation to homosexuality and transgender and why there is I know what the problem is and it's just that I think a lot of black people just have their own struggles, so they don't have room to care for other people in that way. But I just wish that they would, instead of being like, I don't care, they would just be more empathetic and just try to see people as people and not be like, oh, that's weird, that's nasty. So, because I've, I've interviewed like hundreds so many black Lyft drivers. It's like my weird. <laughs> it's my weird obsession. the conversation? Well, one black girl was like, "Always oh, all a part of a um, uh, conspiracy. Conspiracy. No. So that <laughs> gay men are a conspiracy against black women and their bodies. And I was like, No, they're not. <laughs> gay men take everything from black women and their bodies, spit that. it out, put it on T-shirts, and make millions of dollars from it. That's you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. They are oh, getting something from you, but not what you yeah, think. Right. Oh Wow, that's wild. Um, shifting gears a little bit, because I do want to talk about... I mean, this re- this reminds me of what you do so well. One of the many things you do so well is creating space for others. Like, you somehow have the bandwidth to do that. And that is your project, um, your Night Blackberry Jam. So do yes. you want to talk to us a little bit about it? Um, it's um, usually the last Monday of the month at the Cha-Cha Lounge in lovely Los Angeles, California. Lovely Los Angeles, California. We oh, it's at the Cha-Cha. It's at the Cha-Cha. Did it used to be at El Cid ever? No. No? no, never at El Cid, but they, it's the only comedy show they do. And we put the show together because going out and doing stand-up comedy, we realized that we weren't seeing ourselves reflected a lot when going out. And so we wanted to create a safe space for for black people, for all races, for transgender, for ever we've got a transgender comedian next month who I'm really excited about. Ashley Messer, she's very funny. Um, we have all sorts of people, all every race. And it's so it's you and your collaborator. Yeah, it's me and my friend Ellington Wells, and we do it once a month. And it's, a, it's only like a 90, like not even a 90-minute show, maybe like 80 minutes. We try to do, if, if that, like... We try to do a short, concise Mm -hmm. comedy show because a lot of times you go out and it's 10 comedians and that's just way too many. 
And uh, one thing I think is like, I really feel like, and you, I want to hear you speak to this, of course, but I feel like having gone there in like the more beginning days versus lately, because you've been doing it for one year. One year. A little over, right? Yeah. It's, it sort of feels like if you build it, they will come. I mean, like there were, it was, I couldn't get a seat last time. Like it was packed. It, it's finally, we're finally, we've invested. A lot of people do put on comedy shows. Some people do weekly shows. They're really crappy. Some people do monthly mm-hmm. shows. They don't put any effort into their flyer. They don't, they just don't care. They're just kind of doing whatever. And I, I, tr- we try to do a well thought out show I mean, you from, have grab bags, like gift bags for your what? for your guests. We do gift bags for the comedians. I wish I knew how to do comedy. <laughs> we give out free drinks sometimes. We nice. do all sorts of stuff because we appreciate. Because in the comedy world, you don't really get paid a lot. Mm-hmm. So we try to put these gift bags together so that they know that we appreciate them taking their time. That's so because cool. Yeah. You get in a car. You get in a lift. You go to the show. You perform, and then You've you walk out and practicing you get nothing. Material yeah. For, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. But really quick, back to the process of, of writing. A lot of people memorize their jokes and are obsessed with memorizing uh-huh. them and tell the same jokes over and over uh-huh. again. I kind of do. I don't, I don't obsess. I don't memorize my jokes. I memorize them through repetition on stage, and I memorize them just a little. Like, I, a lot of people are just... Robot comedies, comedians, right. and I'm but not, you like allow for a little bit more. Space. I like a love to allow for more space because some people. It's just weird to me that a lot of people get up there and they're just like, pop, 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 do the pop, same pop. thing, kind yeah. of. Which, it's like when you go to a concert and like I remember I went to go. Oh, yeah. You might be able to figure out how old I am. I went to see Beck, and he said, "Well, maybe not. Um, I'm a goldfish <laughs> baby, so why don't you feed me?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Like, giving me something I haven't heard of before. So that's why I like to do different. Because mm-hmm. Beck. Because Beck. Because I'm yeah. a goldfish baby, <laughs> so why don't you feed me? Um, so, but, like, again, just to dwell a little bit on Locker Jam, and then I want to talk to you about your dream vision for oh, yeah. the future. Oh, yeah. But, um, well, I've, again, again, I could talk to you for 17 million hours. Um, we have a little time. We have, we have a little more time. Okay. Though. Because, like, minutes. Yeah. Tasha's a genius. I'm just laying it out there. But Blackberry Jam, everyone is flipping funny. That's what I, I'm just like, oh, and I'm more than that. I'm a raging bitch when it comes to Ellington to curating. <laughs> to curating. But People, more than that, more than yeah. that, sorry to interrupt you, more than that, everyone is funny, but no one is being offensive. That's the, like, I'm like, as someone who doesn't go to comedy because I'm like, oh, is this person going to, like, am I going to have a bad night because this person makes, like, a pussy joke or, like, whatever. Like, no one is offensive, even though they're talking about sexism or racism or being queer or gay or whatever. It's so, like, let's talk, let's give you the floor about I mean, that. that's like a miracle. Do unto others as they would have to do <laughs> to you. I would never. It's like when your friend's like, oh, do you want to come to my show in the valley at <laughs> six on Friday? You're like, no! <laughs> so I try to do whatever I wouldn't want to do myself. I make sure not to make other people do. Like, it's Monday. That's fine. It's eight. And we start at 8.30. You start That's pretty much on time, which is yeah. amazing, too. And we, it's over by, like, 10, 10.30. Yeah. So, it's Monday. We know people want to go home late. I know people don't want to watch more than four to five comedians, if not including the host. 
And I just try to make sure that the show is fun and quick and you get in and you get out and you have a good time. Because mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of sh- I have attention deficit disorder for reals. Like at um, open mic, I don't sit and watch other comedians. I just stand outside or wander around. I go on my phone, blah, blah, blah. But for Blackberry Jam, I just really want people to come in, come out, have fun, or hang out afterwards. It's a nice... People run into each other. People mm-hmm. like the cha-cha. They have... Not always the fondest memories, but they like the chop shop. People are like, oh, I used to get yeah. really drunk there all the time. And now I'm like, sober. Now I'm yeah, sober. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although the bartenders will not charge you if you just want to seltzer in line. That's what I do. Because oh, I don't drink on Monday nights. Monday um, nights. Only Monday nights. <laughs> and I still LOL, even though I'm not drunk. Yeah, you don't have to be but drunk. this is so exciting to me because I feel like I'm somebody who basically just gave up on comedy entirely a long time ago. I mean, as an art form, like as a genre, like I was like, fuck comedy. It's full of douchebags. I don't want to see it. I don't want to go. Don't invite me. I will never go to a show. I know I'll be offended. I know I'll leave wanting to kill whoever That's how I used to be. And so I like stopped going to any show. Like I don't, you know, and then meanwhile, like, I mean, I like laughing. You know, like, I love I like humor. Live, laugh, love. You know, that's know. So it's really exciting to see that this is like a movement that's happening and that things are changing. Mm-hmm. I think as an yes. audience, potential audience member, I LOL. Seriously, I LOL. And I bring friends and they, like, it's not just me. It's like they are, yeah. like my friend Shakir came there for his birthday and he's like, I just really needed to laugh for like an hour. And your guests that night were like, fucking amazing we won't talk about the one that disappointed me but that's fine we won't talk about the disappointment we're gonna talk about the ones that (laughs) shine that shine i mean that guy with like the beard he was amazing and the last woman was like so strange but so great and you were really on point you're talking about church and like it just was really a fun night and everyone was laughing and it did there is something to be said for like coming together in a group and laughing together Without it being shitty laughter based upon someone's oppression. Like, so do you have a mission statement with what you want to do with Blackberry Jam? Or is it more just like live, laugh, love, lube? Yeah, it's loosey-goosey. Not loosey-goosey. It's just, I mean, yes, eventually, like, Comedy Central picked up another show called The New Negroes. And Mm. if you do something amazing, then Mm. people will see you. But my ultimate goal is I would love to be on a sketch show of some sort, like in a living color. No, I don't. SNL, I did, when I did Second City, SNL and then they're very politically driven and as a super depressed person, I don't like absorbing the news and wallowing Mm. in the world Mm -hmm. and all the BS. So, and SNL is, I mean, if they asked me to be on the show or audition, of course I'd say yes, but that's not, like, my ultimate goal. It's so the view? Like, where are we? <laughs> what's going on? You're going to be, like, what, what would be your dream? My dream would be to be on a variety show. Like, like what? Is what's like right now? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I'm just... I'm OG, baby! I'm going to start the new jam. Yeah, yeah. so you would start it. I would start a show. It might be called Blackberry Jam. It might be called... Yeah, or Tashi and Friends. I never see... It would be and Friends because I really, like, growing up in the sitcom world... Even though it was um, Martin, Martin, you couldn't, you can have Martin Valgina. <laughs> Can't have or her his, here. I'm or right his here. hapless best friend. Yeah, you know, or that, or the hapless best friend, or Gina's best friend. What was her yeah. name? She was a babe. Oh, like oh. sassy. Remember, oh. Gina was like all sweet, and her best friend was all like. Eh. Anyway, it's but you know, yeah, on, on an ensemble show. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I would want to be on in a cast. In a cast of comedians and fun people because I'm also 
this summer I'm going to do um, something. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but it's basically like a girl cella thing where I'm going to have comedians, my friend who's a DJ, my friends who is a performance artist, all get together and just showcase all the women in Los Angeles who are doing red stuff right now. Like girl a girl power slumber party yeah. without the actual sleeping over. Yeah. Call um, it that. Just call it that. I want to, yeah, that's very, very catchy. So my other last kind of ending point I want to, though, talk about with you is you talked to me about how one of your dreams is to have a depressed comedian home or a home for the... A center for, yeah, because a lot of my friends and me included all battle depression. Like I said, tears of a clown. Yes. Um, I have a friend right now who tried to take his life last month. He's been coming to my house and... I've been helping him and I check in on him and and there's just my other friend she her therapist broke up with her she's in therapy she's on medication so all my friends who do a lot of my friends who do comedy are bummed out bummed out and how how could we not be how could you not be but the thing about comedians is they're very sensitive people, so I think the sensitivity, like, it just gets to them more mm-hmm. so. And I don't know what it is about comedians who, like, Drew Carey tried to take his own life, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. I'm thinking of Robin Williams. And- yeah. Yeah. So many comedians. So it's such a big problem that I want to address it one day. Because that's your like that's like your like legacy like Oprah's Home for Girls project. Like, yeah. And the, once you, you'll get your sketch show, things will be going well. You'll buy the house for your mother and your cousin and all that. You'll you know stop driving your Tris all around. <laughs> get a Prius maybe, <laughs> maybe a Beamer. I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to put. No. I don't want to break my. Like people it would be the best beam. if you drove a Tricell. It would just make this whole thing. Like, I know. Tie well, up so neatly know. if you were like, and I'm gonna go get a my Tricell right now. Exactly. It's circle, full with. circle. <laughs> Or like my fruit. No, you'll get a scooter, right? Oh my god. Tashi was like, I really want to date this guy. He's so cute, but I can't because. Yeah. Well, we live in LA, so. You live on two wheels. You could possibly die at any minute. Really, it's, it's what really, I think of. That's if someone decides to change lanes and you're going oh, straight so on the freeway. Done. Okay, let's You're dunzo. Dunzo. Sorry, sorry. So. It's true. My <laughs> friend who's a nurse calls people who ride motorcycles. De- uh, de- uh, organ donors. Or- organ, yeah. So does organ my, donors. Yeah, my dude is a nurse. Okay, so I just have, like, do you, can I, do you have any other questions? Because I have, like, I could I'm talk about like, right now. I'm just, like, thinking about road About, about like, that road cal, human road cal. Okay, uh, quick fire round. Favorite part about doing comedy? Center uh, <laughs> space. I wish people could see this. Okay. Leaving the house. Least favorite part about doing comedy? Leaving the house. Tashi, uh, it's been such a pleasure. Where can the people find you? They can find me at Blackberry Jam once a month. Um, at the Cha Cha. At the Cha Cha Lounge. And if you are crafty like me and you're a stalker, you just put my name into Facebook at the top and pop over to events, and then maybe something will pop up. This is a genius idea. Genius. I told you she's a genius. Yeah, so you can Google. You don't have to go to the regular Google and Facebook because... As we know, we don't like Facebook, but the events are crafty if you decide to check them once. You'll be like, oh, someone's doing something cool. Mm-hmm. One last, last question. Sure. Before you hop in your lift, your potentially offensive lift drive, mm-hmm. drive uh, to your uh, potentially offensive date, um, what would an ideal, dreamy comedy scene look like, resemble, 
for you? I some vision boarding, if you will. It's it's actually okay the way it is now, minus minus the um the uh, what do you call them? Impression? The, no trolls, wizards, grand wizards. The grand wizards are the ones who really bum me out because I actually like there's other black girls in the comedy scene, but it's I'm not gonna lie and be like, oh, I don't love being a minor. Like it's great, like. I feel bad for white guys. I'm like, oh, there's like 50 of you. Like, everywhere you turn, you see yourself. So it's kind of cool to roll up and be the only person, like, on stage giving that. But when I see another black girl, I'm not like, damn it. I'm like, hey, what's up, girl? What's up? Let's be friends. So it's a very welcoming, kind scene. Like, if you are a person of color, you usually do, or a woman, we usually all do gravitate towards each other. We're friendly. It's just Mm -hmm. the grand wizards who congregate in a circle. And then there's one weird guy who lost a bunch of weight and that's all his comedy is about is food and losing weight which you're like save it for your therapist dude holler amen 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 he's always like and I'm like you know I don't like you and that's a big deal because I am nice to everyone I'm nice to everyone but he gave me this sexy creep vibe one day one time and after that I was like never again like, sorry dude sorry I can't make eye contact with you for plus too long. every conversation is about food and I'm like mate you're making me hungry I know <laughs> And I just ate. And I, I'm proud of him for losing weight, and I think it's great. It's just that not everyone is meant to be friends in this world. I love that note that we will Can end we on. Can call the podcast with that? Yeah, not everyone is meant to be friends corner. Um, thank you so much for your time. We're thank so excited you. to um, have more people know about your genius and um, come back anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, guys. Love you. Ideal Futures is a podcast created by Gina Young and Sarah Faith Godestiner in Los Angeles, California. Theme music is by Romy, our incredible friend. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a sweet review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it.